Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Welcome in on a Panther Monday, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Willie P in for Walker Mail, Wes Bryant alongside. Itty Bitty Fitty is back as well, and we're happy to be with you. Despite the results that we saw yesterday at the bank. Panthers a 24-16 loser yesterday to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Wes, I thought waking up today I'd feel a little bit better knowing that Tampa lost and everything is still out in front of the Panthers. And yet, listening to Mac this morning, listening to Rickard this morning, and just continuing to wax rhapsodically about what was going on yesterday. I just, I still can't get my head around the way that game went. I'm not sitting here and telling you that I expected an absolute win yesterday, but the fact that the way that it happened is just so antithetical to the way that I thought that game was going to go. It just, it boggles my mind that that performance was what we saw from the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. Uh, I wasn't 100% surprised. As I said last week, uh, I thought that it would be a very Panther thing for them to do just when you think that things are looking up and they're going to uh, just run roughshod over the rest of this schedule, they will let you down. And that's what happened yesterday. And I think the Steelers, and we'll get into it later in the show, but I think the Steelers took the formula that a lot of teams are going to use at this point. We have enough of a sample size. Teams are going to start selling out against the run. The Steelers had the requisite guys to do so, even though they haven't been great this year at stopping the run. But when you have a Casey Hayward and a TJ Watt and a, you know, Alex, uh, uh, a high tower and you, have that caliber talent and they play up to it, then, you know, that's what's going to happen. I thought about you, Will, the whole time because the guys that were at the top of my top 10 list that I took the L on from super biased Colin, um, (laughs) you know, all those guys were making big plays all day long in that football game. So I'm not really surprised at what happened. And uh, we're just going to have to see how the Panthers decide to respond to this. My, My only thing was we had what happened a week ago. Alex Highsmith, I'm sorry. It's okay. I I I I knew where you were going there. <laughs> the the thing that gets me somewhat irked is that Baltimore seemed to have a very similar game plan, and they seemed to do whatever the heck they wanted in that contest. Now I'm not trying to compare Baltimore to Carolina, but I feel like when it comes to what they were trying to do philosophically, it was very similar. Right. They responded better. And the, the biggest question that I asked, and I asked this on the Countdown to Kickoff show yesterday of Mac and KB, I said if if the Panthers' first avenue to victory or primary avenue to victory is cut off, do they have another avenue to victory? And that, I feel like, is still the biggest question that befalls this Carolina Panthers team. And I also feel like has me question whether or not Steve Wilkes is right for this job because... While I know he's doing the most with what he could possibly have put in front of him, 
this is not the team that he chose. This is not the team that he wants there. And this is not necessarily what I feel like he wants to do philosophically for the entirety of his Panther tenure if it lasts beyond these next three games. But I do feel like you have to at least come up with a backup plan and an adjustment for the offensive side of the football. And then on the defensive side, why in the world is Keith Taylor still on the field in the second half and TJ Carey is not getting at least some kind of a run? I mean, did they not prepare for something of this nature? And again, I understand that that you don't you're not able to dress enough guys to where it's like a college uh, roster where you have five, six, seven corners to be able to pick from. But the fact that they couldn't hide Keith Taylor more in plain view to me, Wes, is just an absolute positively just out scheming when it comes to what the Pittsburgh Steelers were able to do and, and find Deontay Johnson right a field day against Keith Taylor after they made the adjustment putting J.C. Horn on George Pickett. Well, Deontay Johnson's one of the better receivers in pro football, but I would ask you, I mean, do you think if they had a better option, they would have, you know, they put Keith Taylor out there in the first place or they would not, or they would have replaced him quicker. That's the thing sometimes uh, that people have to think about. It's like, yeah, these quarterbacks and these teams, they find matchups. They knew that they had one in Taylor. They knew that he couldn't stop them, so they kept going to it. If the Panthers would have had a better option, they would have gone to that, but they did not have one. Uh, so the Steelers feasted on that, and you got the results that you got. Got plenty to get to today. We're going to talk about the Panther run game getting shut down. We're going to talk about how much Pittsburgh was able to get done on that one drive that was so demoralizing in the second half. We'll talk World Cup. We'll talk Hornets. Plenty to get to. And also that fantastic Tar Heel victory over Ohio State as part of our campus corner. But before we do anything, let's get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. say this for a lot of people this was something that they kind of reveled in for whatever reason because the, the tank crowd showed up again yesterday the people who are like oh we want to tank we want to do this and it's like oh there it is there i have not seen a fan base that has more people that enjoy reveling in their own misfortune <laughs> than it does to me with the carolina panther fans and and I, i'm not trying to say that you don't deserve to feel like you need another quarterback because I do feel like if you had another quarterback, we wouldn't be talking about having to win games the way that they're having to win games, but could you not at least take into account the fact that yesterday's game had meaning and next week's game has meaning and that's a good thing for this franchise? See, Something I, more than we haven't had in this in this franchise in the last couple of years. I mean, I, I've said I've been on the tank train as well and, I, and I've been asking, especially after a game like yesterday, why do you want to make the playoffs? Carolina Panthers fans that are out there that want to make the playoffs, why? After you see games like this, why do you want to make the playoffs? You're going to go into it more than likely you're going to get, no, not even more than likely, you're going to get a team that's better than you, more likely going to come in here and win this game. So you're going to be happy to get one game and be done and be out of position to get a quarterback. You and I talked about this pre-show, and we'll talk about it later. The Jacksonville Jaguars on a, are on a similar playoff chase to the Carolina Panthers, but the difference is they have their head coach. They have their quarterback of the future. So their fans can have fun and enjoy this chase for the playoffs because they know all they need to do is add pieces because Trevor Lawrence is starting to light it up in the league like guys like me that I thought he wouldn't, a lot of other people as well. But for the Panthers, when you're sitting there and these fans want to make the playoffs, if you do 
and you don't get that posi- get in position and get that quarterback, you're not coming into next season with this roster making the playoffs when expectations are piled onto everything else. This is not a playoff roster. Maybe I'm just looking at next year's quarterbacks and I'm not all that impressed. Maybe. Maybe so, but you Maybe need to that's... get somebody. They're gonna be. They they have potential to be better than Sam Darn. Well, I, I'm not arguing that part. I'm not yeah. arguing that part. But I'm also saying that I don't think that there's a lot of separation between those guys. Like I know that Bryce Young is big, but I also think Bryce. Bryce Young has his faults. I think Bryce Young is, is a little brittle. I think C.J. Stroud is just kind of meh. I think Hooker is going to be coming off an ACL injury. It's going to be very, very hard to overcome. Well, you got to add Anthony Richardson to the bunch, too, because they're starting to link him to the Panthers as well. But I think that, uh, you know. Because so, of where they are position-wise in the draft, right? Right, right, yeah. But, I mean, I think and then Will Levis is the guy that right now is, is in the discussion to be the number one pick as well, according to what you hear about what scouts are saying GMs are saying but uh, if you're the Panthers like I said you have to have hope and that's what a new quarterback a a hot shot rookie will provide whether he pans out or not we'll see but he provides hope and that's what this franchise needs right now and that's what they should be wanting instead of trying to make the playoffs to get blitzed in the first game and go home. Uh, there are a lot of people who are saying that you got to give Darnold his flack. I don't think Darnold is the guy you give flack to yesterday because he made a couple of pretty good throws, especially the one to DJ Moore on the touchdown, the one to TMJ. Problem with Darnold was that the offensive line yesterday looked absolutely atrocious. They couldn't block the run. They couldn't protect Darnold. I know Darnold ran into a couple of, uh, of bad pressures, but man, oh man, that was the worst performance that the offensive line had and believe me the symbiosis of the fact that pat meyer last year's offensive line coach was in the building the man that matt rule hired to have the offensive line somewhat on lock he was in the building yesterday as member of the pittsburgh steeler coaching staff and frisman jackson was there as well as the wide receiver coach so don't think that that point wasn't lost on me from a symbiotic standpoint yeah, but I think, too, you know, what you saw with Sam Darnold, you saw those flaws come through, and they were constantly put in positions that Wilkes does not want them to be in. Listen, the average yards to gain on their 11 third downs was eight and a half yards, so that's third and long. That's keeping them behind the chains. They were 4-11 and 11 on third down. If you have a difference maker at that position, everybody has their bad days, but when you have a difference maker at that position, you're going to convert. Uh, enough of those to keep the offense moving and to be uh, to be potent. But I think Sam Donald, you know, his deficiencies will show. And the more teams put him in those situations, I think they will come out even more because, I've, as I've said, I believe Sam Donald will turn the ball over when giving the opportunity. So I think that the Panthers are in a tough spot. I think the book is out on this offense, and they're going to have to come up with some type of counter to it, but I don't know that they have it. Of course, plenty to get to on this game that was deflating for the Panthers, but I think the number one thing was how much and how easy that the Pittsburgh Steelers were able to stay on the field. 12 of 16 on third down, including five conversions during that 21-play, 91-yard drive, where they gained, by the way, 106 yards on it because of a 15-yard penalty. Here is Steve Wilkes on what happened with the Panthers on that very crucial third down. Third down was uh, horrendous, to say the least, on both sides. You know, they were four. We were four of 11. And then, you know, they were 12 of 16. Not good enough in regards to affecting time of possession, which they had 36 minutes uh, to our 23. 
They tried like hell to get Deontay Foreman those ten, uh, those 20 carries, by the way, but they couldn't get him more than 10 because uh, he only had 10 carries for nine yards. And, and look, uh, a lot of people will say, well, what does this mean going forward? Does this completely tank your playoff hopes? Everything's still out in front of you. You still have Detroit. You still have Tampa. You st- Don't laugh at me, Wes. <laughs> Everything is still out in front of you because Tampa laid an egg against Cincinnati Bengals. They did. And everything, they, they still, as, as the saying goes, control their own destiny. Although, again, their destiny, in your mind, thinks that uh, is, a, is a flawed destiny in, no, in your mind. That it is. But at its core, you are very correct. Everything is still in front of them. They could still make the playoffs. So you saw yesterday, you know, the Saints battling. So they still have another date with them. And that game is not a gimme anymore either after what we saw yesterday. Uh, The Detroit Lions are certainly white hot. You have a super hot football team coming in here uh, this weekend. So that was the thing I thought coming into this game. I felt like the Carolina Panther fans were starting to count the chickens before they hatched. They thought that, oh, the Steelers are not a good football team. We're going to beat them. The Detroit Lions Spoiler alert. historically aren't a good football team. Spoiler alert. Based off of la- based off of yesterday, I'm not going to sit here and tell you the Steelers are all of a sudden world beaters. Yes. They no, beat not it. at all. They beat us on Sunday. Yeah. Fair and square. I'm not trying to take anything away from them. But let's not turn this into the Blitzburg of the no, 1970s not at all. and the Steel Curtain. Because not at guess all. what? The way that those Steeler fans and those stupid, terrible towel hankies <laughs> waving them the entire game, they, would, they acted like they got their seventh ring. The way that they acted yesterday. That was too much, man. I'm sorry. The, the people who are out there, I know a lot of people have been making, making a lot about this on the air, and I I was visceral about it yesterday. I'm, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it today. But, man, that was way too much. And I know it was going to be. I know yeah. I'm not supposed to be surprised. But am I not allowed to be still angry about it? <laughs> am I not allowed to still be pissed about it? That yeah. there aren't enough people in the city who wear black and blue to the games that happened on Minton yeah. Warren? Is yeah. that not something I'm still allowed yeah. to be ticked off about? I noticed right. that on the first touchdown when he scored. I said, man, I said, it sounds like they're back in uh, in Pittsburgh Here again. Here we go. Go home. Here we go. Go <laughs> home. Go back to Yinzerville. But I think the thing that it showed you, though, was simply your 5-9 and nine football team. Like, it didn't show you that the Steelers were this great team. It didn't show you uh, anything like that. But what it showed you is that, like the old saying goes, you are what your record says you are. I know under Wilkes that they improved. They were 500 under Wilkes coming into this game. But still, at your core, this roster is 5-9, and 5-8 and eight coming into the game. And that's what you showed yesterday. That's what 5-8 and eight teams do. They're inconsistent. They get your hopes up one week, and then they get you down the next week. Now, when you have a team like mine that is 10-4, the consistency – the dominance. That's what you get on a weekly basis because we expect that. Uh, it's more like making it up as they go along. Okay. <laughs> but when it- you're five and eight, it's just inconsistent. Nah, but all jokes aside, when you're a five and eight football team, it's just inconsistent. You can't expect consistent dominance. My favorite was the guy yesterday uh, during the postgame show who said he pulled about 20 of those dudes wearing black and yellow, and they couldn't tell you what Primanti Brothers was if you spotted them the PR and the I. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. I know what that is. Of course. It is Wesson Walker, Willie P. in for Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We'll come back, do some more on this. The, the real part of this that was very discouraging and the most discouraging part about what is happening going forward for the Carolina Panthers did Pittsburgh provide the blueprint for the rest of the teams on the Panthers schedule next on Sports Radio 927 WFNZ? <laughs> 
Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Willie West. Witty Fitty. Hope you're enjoying yourself on this Panther Monday. We'll get into a lot more of these topics related to the Panther game. But the one thing I kind of want to stop down on is, is there... There are a couple of prevailing notions that are coming out through our, our fan base right now, and they're doing so on the Garage Door Guru text line, 704-570-9610. There are a lot of people who agree with Wes in saying that the Panthers proved why they aren't a playoff-worthy team and they're not a good football team. Uh, my guy, Shaked Bartal, who was complaining to me about the Panther ticket office not making these tickets affordable enough for people, is saying, yes, you want to make the playoffs because of 2014 and 2015. 2014 gave you momentum. I will concede Wes's point, though. The difference about that point and where the Panthers were in 14 and 15 is that they had a quarterback and a stability scenario with Cam Newton sitting there. And it was a much different scenario than the Panthers find themselves in without having a quarterback. But what I will say is this. You've got a very young roster right now, Mm -hmm. and that roster could benefit greatly from playoff experience. Now, I do feel like the differentiating factor between a lot of these quarterbacks, wherever the Panthers draft in the opening round, that tells me they're going to find one. And it might not be their first choice. It might even be their second choice. But I do feel like all these guys are very similar to where it's like, okay, If you take one with the right offensive mind, the right scheme around them, and the right offensive line, which I do feel like, absent of yesterday, the Panthers have, then I feel like you can do something. This is not last year's draft when you're waiting until the third round to see whether or not Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, or uh, Matt Corral are going to get drafted. I do feel like they're going to be quarterbacks that go in the first round, but I I don't think that there's the singular guy like a Lawrence out there who you're looking at and saying, oh my goodness, this guy's a wonderkind. Well, I disagree a little bit with you there because I do think Bryce Young has all the requisite skills to become a star uh, in the NFL. Um, A lot of people bag on his size, but I don't necessarily agree with that either. I mean, it's NFL quarterback 6'6", 240 that get hurt. Can Bryce Young get hurt because he's a little smaller? Of course, but we've seen a lot of smaller quarterbacks make it work uh, in this league. He's got good enough size, in my opinion. What were you going to say? Last time I saw a short quarterback take the field for the Panthers, he couldn't throw the ball over the line of scrimmage. Yeah, but he ain't this guy, though. Bryce Young's the real deal. This kid has been uh, a much pedigree prospect since coming out of high school. Uh, You saw him do it at Alabama at the highest levels. He's got the accuracy. He's got the arm strength. He's got the moxie. He's got the escapability. He's got everything you want. In my opinion, he should be uh, the number one pick overall in this draft. C.J. Stroud, I know he gets the uh, Ohio State tab, you know, as far as the quarterbacks that haven't panned out there. But I think he's the most mature that I've seen. I think he's ready to come in and be a pro day one. He's got a whip for an arm. He's athletic as well. And I think, like I said, uh, Will Levis, I'm not as sold on. I I'll go with you there. Anthony Richardson, I'm not definitely uh, mm. sold on him at all. But the boom or bust potential is there for him for sure. Keep, keep Will Levis away from this franchise. <laughs> right. I don't, but I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want the mayo drinking guy. But I think if you can get yourself in a position to get Stroud or Levis, or even at your spot, if you want to take a guy, if they get into 11, 12, 13, 14 range to pick a guy, you know, Anthony Richardson, I feel like, would maybe be a reach. But I'm not against them also trading assets to go up and get a guy. That's why you make those trades. 
uh, with, with Christian McCaffrey and stuff like that to get you Kappa to, to be able to go up and get a guy. But I think there's guys there that can uh, turn things around for this franchise and give them the guy they're looking for. This might be a tomorrow discussion, but mm-hmm. a lot of people saying that Brian Burns was lawfully invisible the last two games. And you mentioned draft picks, and people are saying, oh, well, you could have gotten two first-round draft picks for yeah. Brian Burns. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sitting here, and I'm I'm the biggest <laughs> Brian Burns defender in the world. But I am kind of wondering about where Brian Burns has been over the last couple of weeks. Well, I mean, you look at it, he's got ten and a half sacks, and it's like, what well, pass rushes? Come on now. We've only had a couple of guys over the last decade or two that have broken a record as far sure. as averaging a sack a game. You're talking to J.J. Watts and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of those guys, Aaron Donald and, and some of those. But, I mean, you can't expect Burns to get a sack every game. Uh, the only thing I've, I've said about him is that he needs to get to a point that where – He's like a Nick Bosa to where he demands double teams, triple teams, where even if he doesn't have a sack or he doesn't make a huge impact on the stat sheet, he's making a huge impact because he's commanding so much attention. And I don't think he's there yet. Well, I think he needs to not only command attention, but that frees up things for another guy. No doubt about it. That's the part of it that I feel like the Panthers, that's why people were so worried about what happened, you know, on the opposite side of the line. And, And while I think that, you know, Marquis Sainz has been that guy at times. You have not seen that from Etor Grosmatos. And while I think early we saw a lot from Derek Brown, I think Derek from a, again, I'm not saying that he's not commanding double teams himself, but from a productivity standpoint, his play has also cooled a little bit. Yeah, he has as well. And, I mean, he's a guy that you want to be able to just be a game record. He's shown a propensity to do that. Uh, he had a decent game yesterday. He had five tackles, but mm-hmm. he just wasn't dominant. You know, he's got the most stops for uh, Panthers defensive tackle in a season. So he passed K1 short for that record. So, you know, overall, the totality, he's played well. But over the last few weeks, he hasn't been as dominant. I agree uh, with you there. And the thing I said that I think is interesting about Derek Brown is that, you know, the seasons before that, he was flirting on that bus label. Now he's coming up on that contract year and he's putting in work. And that's the thing you get a little nervous about with the big guys is that when they start playing for that Skrilla, once you give them the bag, are they going to continue to play with the same motor they play with? We'll get to the most demoralizing thing uh, about <laughs> yesterday's game yes, uh, coming up here in just a moment. I did want to have you answer this question because this came from 704 on the Garage to Guru text line. Okay. Uh, where would you put Matt Corral against this year's quarterbacks in the draft? I mean, I think there's at least seven that I would take above Corral right now. And yeah, I, I agree just, with you. I, I understand that I am the most staunch I don't want to say anti-Matt Corral guy because I'm not anti any guy who wears the Panther black and blue, but I will say that that Matt Corral is very raw and very green. And, you know, when you think about he has an incredible arm, but in terms of the processing, in terms of getting the plays out and and being an actual quarterback who you're going to build your franchise around, I, I just don't know if that guy is it. And I think there are more guys in this draft that are it after a year where we really didn't have that many at all. If I look at one list, and I'm just looking at CBS's list of the top 10 quarterbacks in this draft, I'm I'm not privy to Michael Pratt from Tulane uh, or Cameron Ward from Washington State. I know Fiddy, the Pac-12 guy, Mr. Pac-12 back there, he knows all the quarterbacks back there. He might be able to speak to Conference, Cameron Conference Ward. champions. Yeah, yeah, he might be able to speak to Cameron Ward. But as far as I've definitely put him behind, Young, Stroud, even Levis, just based off the potential they're saying that he has, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and put him over him uh anthony richardson though i will put over him too because it's, it's such a uh tantalizing combination that he puts together hendon hooker and even bo nix bo nix is a guy I was not high on 
at all. Bonex has got some dog in him. But I gave him his credit this season. He did put together a heck of a year, and I think he's gotten a lot better. So, you know, I would probably put Corral somewhere in there behind Bo Nix. I would think that's that's pretty so like you said, about seven, eight guys. Exactly. Uh, uh, Big Cat Dan goes, Corral would still go in about the fourth or fifth round. Yeah. Uh, there, though, unfortunately, based off of everything else, the thing that was most discouraging about the Panther game yesterday was that this group, which has been said to want to be physical at the point of attack, and control things like the run game and control the line of scrimmage just did not do that yesterday. Here's Steve Wilkes on the Steelers' physicality overwhelming the Panthers yesterday. I put it on me, you know, didn't have the guys ready and prepared. You know, that's my fault, and I agree with the statement. You know, they they were more physical than us today, which is not uh, it's not our mantra. It's not us. They were 25th in the league coming into the game in the last three contests against the run. Mm-hmm. And they held the Panthers to a just absolutely paltry 21 yards rushing and the inability to run the football. I, I, I understand that when you're asking Sam Donald to just not mess things up for you, it's a much different scenario than just, you know, trying to uh, trying to control things in the run game. But I do feel like, they did get a decent game out of Sam, but the fact that they couldn't run the football at all was just the most glaring and, and just gobsmacking thing that happened yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it was their lowest rushing total since 2012, and it was the elixir for their losses. Over their three losses since week nine, they've averaged 40 yards rushing, but under Coach Wilkes, uh, since he's taken over in the previous eight games, they've averaged 147 yards and allowed just 11 sacks, so this offensive line has gotten it together. And I was going to say, man, when coaches – so people always want to translate what coaches mean when they say stuff because we know they say a lot of the same stuff. And as an offensive lineman, when the coach talks about physicality and the fact that we weren't prepared and that, you know, it's their fault, it's just frightening because practice is going to be hell. Mm-hmm. For people out there that want to know, it is translation for practice is going to be hell on the lineman. That mm-hmm. means – you're going to be hitting a lot of sleds. You're going to be doing a lot of physical run-blocking drills because that is their way of saying, I didn't have you prepared because your practice wasn't physical enough. So when you hear those words come out of coach's mouth, your stomach just drops because you know practice is going to be bad. Well, the thing about it, too, is that Steve Wilkes said yesterday they're going to take Monday off and they're going to have basically three intense days of practice, Tuesday, oh, Wednesday, Thursday, because it is bad. a short week on Saturday. <laughs> so and the good thing about them is they don't have to travel. And I think, honestly, that favors the Panthers here a little bit because they do have at least kind of that extra little bit of time to try and make things happen over the course of the next three days after today. But the thing that gets me, Wes, is that if Detroit kind of comes out with this same sellout against the run, they got to have a better backup plan and mm-hmm. they got to figure out how to make things happen a little bit better. I didn't see one bit of the LaVisca Chenault smokescreen play. Like, mm-hmm. like it just, seemed- oh, but the Steelers were all over that. That's what I had in my notes too. The one as I was watching the game, the Steelers were all over that game plan. The short passes that they knew. That's why I said, I, and walking, I joked and I would call it a vanilla game plan. The Steelers were all over everything the Panthers wanted to do. They knew that Sam Darnold is deficient. They said that they're going to try to run it down our throats. They're going to throw the short passes to Chenault. They're going to do the 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 spider two wide banana, which 
most time goes to the fullback, but or the, the old John Gruden coach speak, mm. but they want to do the play throw action the boot. Throw it in the turkey hole. Yeah, they want they want to play action boot, throw it to the tight end. The Steelers were all over all of that. So the coaches for the Panthers are going to have to come uh, to the table, and like you said, they're going to have to provide some counter punches. They're going to have to take some shots early because that's the only thing that are going to make teams back off because you could tell watching that game yesterday the Steelers were on top of everything the Panthers wanted to do. This is part of the reason why I still want that wet-behind-the-ears, acne-riddled, offensive <laughs> assistant guru guy who kind of sounds like this and maybe has that dry Mike McDaniel humor. So you in high school? Basically. <laughs> but if you go get a guy who's a difference maker at the position. That's the thing. Even peanut, if you peanut, give him a peanut gallery back there, thinks he got a line in there. <laughs> even if you, even if you want to go with the vanilla game plan, some guys are so good. They're going to go off script and they're going to make some things happen. Sometimes, even if the coaches don't want you to do that, and so that's what I think you saw. But, yeah, yesterday it was like the book was out on Carolina. Uh, P.J. Walker's agent, uh, T.C., goes, who's the better quarterback of this team, Sam Donald or P.J. Walker? I, I don't think that the P.J. experiment is happening again, my friend. I, no, I, just, I don't I, think so. I don't think so at all. Sam has played good enough, and the biggest thing I think that the coaches like about him is that he has been able to make some plays uh, when they needed to in, in the wins that they've had. But he's not turning the ball over, and, and, and that's what Coach Wilkes wants the most. And and uh, on the on the list of things that were wrong about yesterday's game, uh, Sam was like tenth, and 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 nine, eight, and seven have to do with Steeler fans being in that building. That still makes me irreversibly pissed. Six, five, and four have to do with the offensive line not doing <laughs> what they needed to do, yeah. and three, two, and one is just not being able to get off the field on third down. That those, those are the things that were a lot more detrimental to the Panthers' ability to win. Not Sam Donald. Do not put this game on Sam Donald at all. Sam threw for 225 despite having to run for his life back there in the pocket. But I think you could also argue that this offensive line kind of had their toughest challenge, and I say that saying this. Even though the Steelers have not, as we talked about the statistics and all the things that they, you know, coming into this game, everything looked on paper like they matched up. But to a man, when you come in and look at this game, if guys were playing on their A game, which they were yesterday, Taylor Moten had to deal with T.J. Watt, okay? Uh, Icky had to deal with Alex Highsmith. Mo Moten's had The guys in the interior had to deal with Casey Hayward. Moten's had a rough year, man. That's what I'm saying. So, but, but still... You're talking about T.J. Watt arguably being the best, one of the best. He is one of the best pass rushers in the sport. And then you talk about Casey Hayward is one of the best interior defensive linemen in the sport. And Alex Highsmith is one of the best up-and-coming young pass rushers in the game. So when you talk about those three matchups alone, I go advantage Pittsburgh. Then you talk about if they decide to blitz a little bit and you're creating one-on-one -on -one matchups with those guys, you saw the results that you got. Highsmith coming through, beating Icky on spin moves. T.J. Watt, Wax and Moten coming off the corner. Casey Haywood dominating in the middle of that defense. And you just ran into a motivated Steelers front line that had better players than what the Panthers had up front as well. Panther Bow, my my guy, 
my guy right now says Sam Donald is not the reason the Panthers. Oh, oh, I misread this. My bad, Panther Bo. Thank you so much for backing up my point. I thought he said Sam Donald is the reason. I can't read. Apparently, he said he's not the reason the Panthers D cannot can't get off the field. Five separate times they had opportunities to get off the field on that twenty-one play, 91-yard drive. Have you ever seen a play that uh, a drive? I have not. I would not want to be a part of that as an offensive lineman, even though it is very rewarding once you do. But hell, when we had long drives when I was in college, I was like, man, let's get this thing in the end zone. Also, I'm tired. Also, uh, Ben, third and goal from the eight. You're calling a freaking quarterback draw. What's that? Was a bad play that call. that was bad. And and here's the thing, like if you're if you're sitting there, was it third and goal from the eight or just third and eight? I think, I it, was, think it was third and goal from the eight. Yeah, well, whatever it was. Like, why in the world is that the call? And then you and then you end up trying to go for a field goal when you're down 11. Like, you need a touchdown. Yeah. You, or, I'm sorry, you weren't down 11. You were down uh, 14 at that point. You need a touchdown on that drive. That, that field goal put them down 11. Two consecutive drives, they got the ball down within sniffing distance, and they couldn't do anything about, anything with it with the play calling down the stretch. That that was more maddening to me than anything that was going on with Darnold. Yeah, I thought towards the end when he when he did uh, kick that field goal, I thought that they were trying to do a little bit of strategy, and they said, hey, let's just get the field goal here and then go back and get the touchdown. But, yeah, it was – as Coach said, it's a lot of blame to go around. Mm-hmm. And plenty to get to as well on this program, which we will decipher on a football Monday, a Panther Monday here on Wesson Walker, Willie P. And for Walker, it's time, though, for a Fitty Flash. Well, guys, we got some uh, NF or, or just some running back news in general. Uh, it appears that Colts running back... Um, Oh, I'm forgetting his first name. Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor. Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. It's, 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 that first name slipped my mind. I wanted to call him Ike Taylor for some reason. He's likely done for the season. Mm. Can't blame him. I would quit, too, after what that team did <laughs> on Saturday afternoon in Minnesota. And maybe a potential day two target for the Panthers in the NFL draft. A Texas star running back, a B. John Robinson, is going to enter the NFL draft and skip the bowl game. First-round talent? I saw him uh, projected five the other day, and uh, Mike Jeff, they put on a, on a game. I forgot which one it was, but they had him so, projected number five overall to Philadelphia. It's okay. There are people who keep trying to tell me that, that running backs aren't first-round picks anymore, so I'm, I'm not allowed to comment on anybody <laughs> who's a running back in the first round or any running back who could go for a first-round pick. Uh, running backs are not meant to go in the first round. I'm sorry, guys. I'm Peter, so you still got more? I'm so sorry. Sorry, was you that, still got more fitting? I got, I got triggered there by a first-round potential running back. Oh uh, no, that's it. I was just gonna say that Jonathan Taylor. I never trust a guy that they say is the number one fantasy player. Every year, the guy that's supposed to be number one that you cannot not pick if you have the top pick in the draft of your respective drafts, they never end up living up to the number one label. You see, never. You see how easy I can get triggered on something like that. I, and um, I disagree with you. I do think some running backs should be first rounders, but no, no, no. I, I, I'm. You being, do. I'm being facetious. Okay, okay, yeah, 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 I'm, yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you 100. percent I'm being facetious because yeah. God and everybody tried to tell me that Christian McCaffrey wasn't worth a first round pick. Oh, blah 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 God. blah 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 blah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Oh, so actually, you and I are actually on the oh, same. Oh, we page. are definitely on the same page. Now we need to. Mac definitely should have. Gone by, the, by, by the way, our boss brought us some yeah. very nice wine. Apothic brother. We, na- we we now need to open this up. Because yeah, we got to get Fiddy on it too, man. We got to class Fiddy up a little bit, get him on some wine. That now I feel like we have to drink together. Yes, I'm, for sure. I'm, I'm into and it. And talk about running backs. Mm, running game. <laughs> Let's come back and do some college basketball with a campus corner. A great win. Could it be a season-turning win for North Carolina at the Garden against Ohio State? Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. 
92.7 WFNZ. It's Wes and Walker, Willie in for Walker. Over under five glasses of wine in the history of Itty Bitty Fitty that he's had in his life. Oh, definitely under. Under five? He is not a wine guy. But we're going we're gonna to get him right, though. Because I told him wine am bars I, are I, great I, places for on, dates. Am I, am, I on the, uh, am I on the right track? Does, does sangria count as... Yeah, that counts. Okay, count then, then I've had over because at oh. my I had a friend get married three years ago, and that was at the reception. And I just want you to know that uh, after uh, copious amounts of that, that was when um, oh, I'm trying to think of what song was popular at the time. Blake, Blake Shelton, "Lips Taste Like Sangria." Is that no, what you're thinking well, of? No, I mean <laughs> we definitely sung that. What was the What was the little Nas joint that was really popping three years ago? Oh, uh, oh Old, Town Old Town Road. Road. Yeah, I, I, I mean I butchered that song like you butchered that brisket you tried to make six months ago. Why has it got to come back to my brisket? Like what? Like that, that we were not talking about. I thought brisket. we I hadn't heard we brisket talk, in we a were, while. We too. I thought we about, were off that. We were talking about wine. No, that thing will never die. <laughs> we, we were talking about wine. Is what it was. And and the fact that you are drinking sangria is a little. I mean, come on, what are we doing here? Yeah, but yeah, no, not not a wine guy. Like if if I was ever to go out and order a glass of wine, what would you recommend that I order? Do you like uh, Do you like something that is more bold, or would you like something dry? Do you want fruity? What, what would you? If what, I want dry. I'll just go to your house and get brisket. Why? What, what, what? I mean, I mean, like you just opened yourself up for that one. Uh, I, I mean, I, 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 we have to explore your flavor palette. Is what I, is what I'm trying to do. Okay, I, I, so I, I, I'm hearing a wine tasting flight with yours truly. Is that is that a fact? Yeah, I think you should take me out and buy me lots of wine, and then I can figure out which wine I like the best. <laughs> the way if I ever go on a wine date and again. literally wine and dine you. Uh, you think you think the person who's making fun of the brisket that was not dry, even though you think it was, is uh, is going to oblige you now and trying to make sure that you get all fat and happy and drunk? Is that it? Yes, that's okay. your that's your role in our radio relationship. That's not what the case. I believe it is. Uh, it's time for the campus corner. Uh, a big victory for the Tar Heels over Ohio State in the CBS Sports Classic. They get a big shot hit from Pete Nance to force overtime at the Garden. Is this the kind of thing, Wes, that can turn a season for the Tar Heels? Oh, no doubt about it. When you go in and get an emotional win like that, they really had to gut that win out. And we talked about it last week if Caleb Love was the key to the Tar Heels winning a national championship. When you look at the numbers, when he plays under control and not chucking up, he had some shots late in that game that I was starting to be like, man, he's going to shoot them right out of this. But listen, they're 19-1 when he scores 20 points. They're 4-0 this season and 18-0 in the last two seasons when he has five or more assists. And then they're 6-0 this year when he has more assists than turnovers. So, you know, this is the guy that when he's playing under control and playing good basketball, the Tar Heels are really tough to beat. Armando Baycott was just outstanding in this game. He was tremendous. So I think that they are starting to get some of that mojo back that a lot of people thought they had coming into this season when they dubbed them Almost a shoe-in to win the national championship. thing that I really loved was when Hubert went back to the full-court pressure there in that second half when they were down 10. That really kind of turned the game on its head. 27 points for the Tar Heels off the Ohio State turnovers and, and itty-bitty fitty. I'll let you brag on your boys because this is one where I feel like a lot of Tar Heel fans have kind of gotten their swag back after this victory. Yeah, no, the, the, the boys, they toughened up after halftime. You know, Armando Baycott said in his epic uh, post-game interview that they got punked in the first half, and that's what happened. And 
to be frank, the dudes grew a pair in the second half when they toughened up. And that full court press, I said this on the Four Corners podcast you can find on all podcast platforms. That's got to be a part of their DNA moving forward because Carolina actually executes it very well. On the pass under Roy Williams, it would get carved like cheese. But with Huber Davis, they've got that thing down actually, to a science. Actually, it would get carved like dry brisket is what you would well, like to see, say. Well, you see, if it's dry, is it really going to cut really well? It's probably going to get stuck while you're in the cutting motion. Uh, and so that I was, I was really pleased with that second half. Because I do think that is the type of win that could spark them moving forward. Uh, they got Michigan Wednesday night in the Spectrum Center. They should win that game. And then the ACC, outside of really Duke and Virginia, kind of looks very manageable moving forward. So You mentioned Armando's comments. This is what he had to say after the game, saying that he would literally die for Carolina. All right, so you're trailing most. <laughs> to us at halftime. We just had to fight. We were soft, but I mean, at some point we got to draw the line, and I feel like today we drew that line. You've been dealing with an injured shoulder. You told me you're about 70%. Where do you find that within you to be the spark of this team? My love for North Carolina. I mean, I love this school. I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school. I really would. Would you die for Carolina? What do you think? <laughs> what does dying for Carolina mean I, for you? I want to die for Armando Baycott because he said he would die for Carolina. And that's what separates the Carolina family from oh, that falsehood brotherhood eight miles down the road. Because you don't hear any of those one-and-done, overrated, pompous-ass NBA players ever saying they'd be willing to die nah, because, for Duke University. No, nah, because they don't think about but you. But they do have the brotherhood. They call it the brotherhood. Yeah, and it's fake. <laughs> I mean... By the way, my mom and my son, they said uh, we curse too much on this show. They said we need to tone it down a little bit. Bryce said that's a bit much. Is it I cuss too much? Or he said all of us as a collective. He said really? we need because, to. Because like Walker's afraid to say anything. Yeah, they said we talk. Because I've been letting them fly a little bit over the last uh, week or so, and they said we need to tone it down a little bit. I've been a bad influence, huh? Yeah, yeah, Bryce. Because, you know, I started letting Bryce listen to the show now. He's into it. He said he's going to listen to it today. and. He said we're doing a little too much. Well, you know what, Bryce? I'll try to be better for you, but if not, just too damn bad. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't say anything about me, did he? No, he didn't say anything about you. It's good. I like to stay off of people's radars like that. He's only heard it with Walker. I understand. Uh, it's good to know that uh, Fitty is is the kind of same influence that uh, I'm used to him being, which is, uh, which is a poor one. Right. And he's also training somebody in the studio, so that, that also is... Uh, Told you what kind of influence oh, I'm worried about hey, it. Hey, dude, new guy's already great. Was in the building an hour, already has an Onwell Palachik impression. That's not true. That uh, That is very much true, and I'll get Colin Hogan here to confirm that this happened. Okay, we'll see how it is. Uh, we'll come back, and we'll talk some more about what happened this weekend, but not on the football field, on the football field. Sports Radio 927 WFNZ.